Hello. Hello and welcome. We're back. It's Trucking Answers, the podcast where you only get me through your ear hole. You don't have to look at me in any way. And believe me, that's the preferred method if people could make that choice, which they can. I'm here with Gracie, my co-host, and she's actually awake today, was recently biting me. So, uh, but you know, if you're going to leave your belly exposed, it's going to get belly pettings. And so sometimes that results in many bites. <laughs> That's just how it goes. We are in 42 countries still. And I was looking at the map. Do you know there's only been one download in the state of South Dakota? What is happening with South Dakotians? South Dakotans? Anyway, can somebody drive to South Dakota and download this podcast? You give me a complex. <laughs> right. We're going to have some trucking news today. Some automotive news and yet another reason why we're not on Mars. And this is a weird story. But uh, you know why we don't live on Mars? Well, because we have to support people by buying dry cheese sandwiches for them while they're in prison because they are idiots and they're dumb, stupid people. And we can't go live on Mars, which I just found out from the live show yesterday that it is flat, which makes it probably easier driving. You don't have a lot of hills, so it should save some fuel money. I appreciate that. We also do some wrap-up of the Monday live show from YouTube, which is 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I like to wrap that up on the next day show. This podcast goes out every Tuesday, Friday, weather permitting or anything else permitting. And it did not go last Friday. And that's what I want to talk about first. And I got a few other things to talk about. So let's do it. All right. What do you think, Gracie? All right. She fell asleep. So, well, it's going to happen sometimes. So why was there not a podcast last Friday? Well, it turns out here's how the thing went. Now, take check this out. You ready? You ready for this? All right, put it in the big hole and let's uh, set the cruise. This is how it worked. Resulted in some money. We're going to talk about all that. Thursday, there was a storm coming through here, Indiana, and headed kind of southeast-ish. And I wake up Thursday and I'm like, yikes. So Chicago's already freezing here it's 36 degrees i did put out a video that day and as i'm putting that on i'm I have a tab open for the weather and i'm like yikes 35 degrees 34 degrees it's dropping quick i hit you know load upload that video and i'm like i'm out of here now i can leave anytime the trailer's back that i want to i just don't get paid if i'm early until my time because i, I think that's actually fair otherwise i'd leave early every day i'd just sit down there 10 hours and just get and collect a bunch of money but we're going to talk about how i got extra pay in a minute here through some clever conniving, clever conniving um i'm one of the few people with a sleeper so i i grab my stuff i tell the wife look i don't know if i'm going to get back what's going to happen by the time i get to work which is not that much longer it is getting slippery out okay slipperyish so i'm getting the traction light on the truck not on the sonic because of my firestone winter force tires right excellent excellent cannot recommend them enough wish they would sponsor the show uh great tires in the winter and it starts really getting slippery out so i head south and by the time i get to lebanon 30 miles it's 35 degrees again and we have changed back over to rain it had rained hard wednesday into thursday so they couldn't put down any treatment on the roads all my beet juice salt didn't go down and i get down to cincinnati uh it's 40 all right so we're okay i'm ahead of the storm made it and i get there give them the trailer and park because i'm way early there's no way my load is ready and i turn on the bunk heater and hit the sleeper berth 
sign and get in the sleeper and relax. I doze in and off, on and off, looking at the weather, watching the roads, and I don't know if you know this, I-65 basically, not basically, but it did close, it froze, it always does, starting about eh, the 195, north to the 220, right in there is terrible, it's White County, they don't do much to the roads up there, it blows across, it was very windy, <clears throat> and with the quick temperature drop, all that rain froze, it froze the roads, and it closed for a day. Tons of accidents. Why are people still getting in this? A number of people had comments on the live show about it. Said, well, maybe people are hauling medical supplies. All right, hundreds of trucks have medical supplies that are necessary. I don't know. Once the road's closed, I get it. You can pull up on a, on a road that just closes right where you're there. That's happened to me. But if you, like, so the road closes at, say, 4 p.m. If you leave at 9 p.m. out of Indianapolis, there's no excuse for you to pull up into that and have to sit there all night. It just isn't. Anyway, that's an aside, which there'll be a lot of. I go off on tangents sometimes because that kind of stuff is just so aggravating. And many of the accidents were trucks, okay, who should not have been on that road. So I'm sitting, 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 sitting some more. They finally put my trailer in the door a little after the time I'm supposed to leave. So they're running late because some of the stuff they need didn't come in. It's running behind. Oh, great. So I'm looking 10, I'm now 10, 11 hours, 12 hours, I'm 12 hours. When my trailer comes out of the door, I don't go back to get my paperwork till the, they pull the trailer because it's not done till they pull the trailer. He pulls that trailer out, I'm 6 hours, 58 minutes in the sleeper. Follow me? Now I make sure to wait a few more minutes until I'm over 7 hours in the sleeper. Why? That's going to give me a split sleeper, which is going to come into play a little bit later. I also get a 16-hour exemption every uh, once a week, not every day, as a local driver. And you get this by being released from your reporting location every day for the last five days. That means you have to go on and off duty at the same place. Okay, It can't be a different place. Otherwise, you don't get that exemption. You're not considered a local driver, but I do. I go Basically, I get the same parking spot even most days unless some goofball takes my spot so anyways and so i have that too but i don't know if i'm going to make that looking at the clock i'm like i might go over 16 hours today which is a long day for me and i am tired it's late i mean it's getting closing in on dawn dawn and not the kind that takes grease out of your way so I thought, all right, finally we're done, finally. So I get going, and in a few minutes, they're coming in the office already for the morning shift. I give them a call, and I say, look, I'm just leaving down here. You're going to pay me a few hours at this time because I'm late, but I said, I'm really late. I left early so that we could get this load done so you don't have to get some power-only person to pull it or something like that. I know we don't have people. Because I know we don't have extra drivers. We don't even have enough drivers as it is. And they wouldn't have any other way to do it. So I said, look, I'm really tired. But what would refresh me, I said, is paying me for the seven hours that I spent in the sleeper, not just the few hours that I was actually waiting. So if I could get that seven hours paid, I think I could be refreshed enough to drive back because I could split the sleeper. And he goes, what is a split sleeper? What do you mean you can split the sleeper? And they say that because he has no idea what I'm talking about. Okay. He's like, you can't run that long. I go, listen, you can split your sleeper. Only the long part of a, spl of a sleeper split has to be in the sleeper. The short part when I get back can be off duty. So I can take that 
part, the short part off duty, and have a 7-3 split on it, no problem. That seven hours would stop your clock. So I just pick up my clock from where the clock stopped at the beginning of the sleeper. Legal. In case I didn't make the 16 hours because it was going to be close. The roads were actually getting better. It had stopped snowing at midnight, you know, five hours before. But um, it was it was still iffy whether I would make it back. You know, I was going to be very late as it is. Long due back. I said, so don't worry. I'm going to turn in a legal log. Don't you worry. Basically, don't you worry your pretty little head about it. Uh, but, you know, I don't think I can make it back without being refreshed. I said, I'm going to have to park here. And it's, you know, a six-hour round trip for you to send two people to come and get me, which you don't have. And since it's Friday, <clears throat> the load's not going to make it. You'll never get down here in time to get the load all the way to its destination because I don't take it to its destination and get two people. And then I'll need the day off, which you'll have to pay me for because it's not my fault. Policies, if you're over hours, they'll pay you. You don't have you never have to run over your hours. So uh, I said, so look, that's what we can do. You know, that's uh, what do you think we can do about that? So he's like, "Eh, all right. And then they agree to it. He finally agrees to it. And I said, all right, send that to me in a text that you will add seven hours pay to today beyond my pay and uh i'll get back tonight i'll get back uh, today he does and i make it back i just get skated under the 16 hours so i just made that anyways but i thought it was going to be close anyway and even so i still had a split going so i would have been okay that's how you kind of got to use the log uh, to your advantage <laughs> i'm probably one of the only local people that uses a split sleeper to get back but uh that worked out good if i had been at a day cab that would have been very nerve-wracking, and it would not have been very comfortable. I might not have been able to get back because I couldn't have rested, really, in a day cab. There's nowhere inside for you to rest. You have to wait in your truck. And sitting in a truck hour after hour after hour in a day cab, not great. Not great. I found out later we had a driver who had gone early to Chicago, and on their way back, it iced because it iced early and they stopped in gary at the truck stop and they waited there 24 hours to be rescued out of a day cab because we don't have drivers i just found that out from last week and how can you imagine spending 24 hours in a day cab that does not idle and i ran my bunk heater at 80 degrees i said at 80 and it kept me nice and toasty in the truck okay but my truck won't idle either the day cab though they don't have a bunk heater three minutes it turns off all right and everybody always sends me mark just don't set the brakes don't do that they figured all that out okay we've all tried every different way there's no way to keep the truck running so that is a real problem i'd be super mad if i was that driver and had to sit there a day in a day in a uh in a day cab waiting for somebody i certainly would have stayed on duty which i got to say duty many times today i would have stayed on duty but that got me paid and that's why i got back really really late i can get to bed to like nine in the morning eight or nine in the morning getting back and uh i woke up you know on and off a few hours later then i had to go back to work okay right at 10 hours i'm back to work i go back in i get down there and they're late again for the same reason so i waited again down there now this time i wasn't really early so i had plenty of hours to do it i didn't have to split or anything like that but i didn't get out of there again i was two three hours late again so i get back late saturday it's dawn again or it's bright out when i'm getting back saturday and i get up 
so that's why Friday I didn't have time to do anything. I got up, right, ate and left, basically. And then Saturday I get up and I just feel terrible, right? I'm all, I'm a disaster, right? I'm running a fever. I'm all shaky. And uh, basically what I did is I made my cup of Earl Grey tea and sat on the couch and watched The Office for a few hours and went back to bed. That's it. I said, you know what? I, I just can't do anything today. I'm not, I'm no good to anybody if I'm sick. I'm not going to do any good content. It's not like this Shakespeare or anything that I'm doing here, but, you know, I'm just not going to be any good at anything. It's just not, It's it's got to be an off day today. And that's exactly what I did on Saturday. Nothing. And I was only up for a few hours. I went back to bed, slept the rest of the day and all night and got up early Sunday, woke up around 5, 10 or so Sunday morning after being, you know, another 13 hours in bed or something like that. And that's it. And Sunday, I went back to my regularly scheduled programming. I was over at Meyer early mo- early in the morning, car wash as always, you know, and all this other stuff. But that's what that's why there was no podcast. I just Saturday I couldn't do anything. I just couldn't. And I think that's for everybody. Once you hit your wall and you're like you're shaking and you're all fevery or whatever, it's not worth doing anything. It's just not worth it. Those long days, you know, twenty eight hours of work or whatever in a couple of days, which is a lot of work for me. Normally, it's 15 hours in two days. It's a lot of extra work. It's a whole other two days of work. And the times were the real problem. And people are going to be like, oh, Mark, you're so weak. We're not, you know, I don't do these long days. I just don't do it. Because, uh, you know, on a regular schedule, because I just don't see the point of working 14 hours a day. I don't. This, even though, you know, I always say I'm not a team player or whatever, I do like to get my work done. If I'm assigned work, I like to do my run. I feel like it's my run and I like to get it done. If it's, if it's, if I'm able to leave early and I can think I can get down there safely and back, I'll do it. No problem. I will do it. Nobody asked me to do that. Work didn't ask me. If I wouldn't have asked for that pay, I wouldn't have got that. They wouldn't even, they wouldn't even care, to be honest with you about any of it. Uh, otherwise, and this weekend, this week, we're looking at more snow here, Thursday, Friday. We'll see how that goes. This is going to be a longer snowstorm, and um, we'll see what goes on with that one. But this other one, that's what happened, and that's why there was not a podcast on Friday, because it just wasn't possible to do with all the extra hours. Would I love to quit that and just do podcasting and videos? Yes. I think that'd be awesome. I could imagine how much more content I could put out, which some people would say that would be terrible, but I think it would be awesome because I wouldn't have to go into a stupid job. <laughs> but uh, this kind of thing doesn't pay much. And I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying it doesn't pay enough to where you can just, oh, I'm just going to podcast all day. You know, I'm not Joe Rogan, even though I'm on Spotify. Not many people making that kind of money at it. So that's why I say that, you know, some things could delay or cancel a podcast. And that's what happened last week with the podcast on Friday. There just wasn't time to do it because of what work did and how work went. And I was grateful, basically, that I'm in a sleeper and not a day cab to do the run that I'm doing. I want to talk about what happened in Canada. All right. Eh? So in Canada now, we've seen snipers on rooftops. Uh, Trudeau put some emergency power in. And 200, uh, about 200 people were arrested and they towed in the high 90s of trucks away. And here's the thing. Tow companies went in and towed these trucks. They, the drivers had 
ski mask like things on their face so it looked like they're going to rob a bank kind of thing and they covered all the names on the tow trucks even though some people have released what the name of the tow trucks companies were and they go well look the government told us we got to tow these trucks well (laughs) so what i mean honestly and like one driver said what laws are broken you know what people were arrested for disturbing the peace Uh uh-huh general mischief that was another arrest there have been no arrests for what they're saying blocking rosa no none i looked at a lot of the arrest records that were up it's just stupid stuff to get you out kind of here where the disorderly conduct which they use here in the united states which means nothing and they always drop later most likely most of these people's charges will be dropped now the mayor of ottawa who's also a communist wants to seize the trucks and sell them for police and i don't agree with that your taxes pay for the police in every city uh, including there and look i understand canada's different than us they're con- they're communists i get it the democratic people's republic of canada i get that all right i get it but um no way here either we don't do that right if you arrest someone for a crime i do think that person no matter who it is whatever the crime is should pay uh, the restitution to reimburse for their arrest because if you've committed an illegal act and are convicted of it because i think everyone is innocent until they are convicted but if you're convicted of it that means that's something you shouldn't have been doing so you should have to pay for the costs associated to society for what you did wrong so that is something i could go along with but just randomly selling uh you know confiscating trucks and selling them now and we see how quick this uh is from uh you know 14 days to stop the spread to we'll lock up your bank account if you don't do what we tell you to do now many people may disagree with me on this and i take a much harder line on freedom than most people it seems most people even on the show my live show and uh you know just in general people that write to me are not as uh, freedom based as i wish they were you know i wish people thought more about freedom were more invested in it liked it for everybody than they are you know freedom it has to be for everyone and at least here you know the right of the people to peaceably assemble and petition the government for redress of grievance shall not be infringed so i don't know what happens in canada all right i understand they have some type of uh, you know written bylaws or something i have no idea what they do up there but to just be able to say, hey, uh, I'm the king now and off with your heads, that's not freedom. <laughs> and, and I understand we've lost this over the years by people that want something from the government. And a number of people said, well, Mark, those tow companies probably have contracts. Okay, so what? <laughs> so what? The SS soldiers, remember, were getting paid by the government also. And they were following orders. Go look up the Hague trials of all the people that were tried there. What did they all say? We're just following the government orders. And you say, well, this doesn't have anything to do with that. And I say, yes, it does. Because that's exactly the mindset that gets you from towing a truck to throwing people in a car in a boxcar. That is exactly the same mindset. Because the government tells you to do something doesn't mean it's necessarily what you should do. It doesn't make any difference. So he says something. So what? Seize their trucks. I would like to ask those officers that were on the rooftops, which I think it was just for show for the press, because those pictures were released by the government as press release pictures. Pretty interesting. Would you really shoot your own citizens? I'd ask them. Were you really prepared to do that? And I talked to a friend of mine. He said, yeah, probably some of them would have. And I thought, wow, you know what? That's pretty scary. (laughs) That 
my friends, is the boxcar right there. And that's exactly it. We went from get a shot to I'm going to shoot you in the head. Seriously. Seriously. That's what we've come to. And that's what it's come to there. There are a number of convoys here in the United States that have been set up. One of supposedly is leaving the 23rd of February. There's some leaving other dates. You cannot imagine the press coverage of these. I've been looking at all this. Oh, my gosh. How terrible. They're going to clog up the roads. They're going to scare your old people and children. They're going to be doing all these nefarious things. Yeah, the press hates it. What I want is parody. I remember, oh gosh, what, the last few years? Do we remember any of these where there were peaceful protests, like where a thousand people would walk out on the highway? Do we remember any of that? You know, those were sanctioned by the police. Now, why is that? Why can people go out on the highway and stop traffic? But if trucks stop traffic, that's something that has to be dealt with immediately. Because certain people wanted more government... And some people want less government. And the people in power never want less power. So they're going to quash those kind of things where it reduces their power. When you go out and and, uh, have a peaceful protest by burning half a city down and blocking all the interstates, saying we want more government, the government's like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. We can then come in and help everybody and uh, do more of that. So that's going to be sanctioned by the police. But when, uh, in this case, right, truck drivers are saying, you know what, we want uh, just freedom to make a choice ourselves. They're all labeled anti-vax, which is certainly not true. When you talk to them, most of them, uh, most of them actually are vaccinated and say what I say, which is choice. You know, get it if you want. Don't get it if you don't want. You shouldn't take your medical advice from Joe Biden, Dr. Fauci, or anybody else that is not your doctor, (laughs) right? Unless Dr. Fauci is your personal physician. You should only get your medical advice from people you choose, a doctor of your choosing, any information that you've gathered along the way. The shot is certainly available. I checked on the website before doing this podcast, Walgreens. You can walk right in. There's Walgreens everywhere. I'm sure a lot of places can do that. So if you want it, you're welcome to go get it. It doesn't bother me in the least bit. If you don't want it, don't get it. That doesn't bother me either. And it shouldn't bother anybody else. That's another thing that always surprises me. Why do you care if somebody else gets their shot? You know, if you're one of those people, what do you care? Well, it might affect me. Well, you know what? Sometimes freedom is inconvenient to you. Sometimes freedom is going to inconvenience you. That's what you get for freedom. That Would you rather be, uh, you know, in Venezuela? Everybody's forced to do everything there. You don't have to think about anything. Or North Korea. All right? North Korea. They don't have any cases. That's what they've said. They've never had a case of coronavirus. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Do you think that's better? Do you think that's better? You see, freedom sometimes inconveniences you a little bit. It could. But... That's what freedom is, and I think people have forgotten that. We just think everything should go smoothly, and if we don't like it, the government should just come and save us. That's not how it should be. That's probably been 150 years of change in that way from, you know, basically rugged individualism and to, you know, being a baby in diapers your whole life. Either whack the government, well, you can keep your kids and your health insurance till the 28. Who would do that? Who would do that? All that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff doesn't breed an individualistic, freedom-oriented society. It breeds a bunch of whiny, entitled brats that can't take care of themselves for two seconds without somebody telling them what to do. That's not the kind of society we should want here. 
You want freedom, you're going to have to go take care of things yourself. That's how freedom is supposed to work. Unfortunately, it didn't work that way in the Democratic People's Republic of Canada, and I fear it's not going to work that way here either. Did you see they're putting the fence back up around the White House? Uh, because of the state of unit. Because why? Those mean truckers that don't shower are going to go to the White House in their flip-flops and go yell at Joe Biden. Did Trump ever put a fence up around the White House? That's my question. Was there ever a fence up? Was he ever concerned about the people there? That's an interesting question. Nobody's going to disrupt the State of the Union. Nobody even cares about the State of the Union speech, to be honest with you. They run it on all the TV channels. And I'm like, holy crap, can you just put this on C-SPAN? Nobody wants to watch this. It's not like the most invigorating speech anyways. So uh, that is not going to be a problem. We'll see what happens with this, with all the people that glom onto these kind of things and ruin it. And most of them, most of the people that get involved in these groups and then kind of ruin them by going off on some weird tangents, they're put there by the government. Okay, they are plants by the government. But yes, oh, Mark's a conspiracy theorist. It is true. Okay, they are plants. And then finally, did you see that Canadian uh, truck driver that was speaking and then uh, to the to journalists? And one of the journalists, in quotes, said, you know, the police told you to leave. Why don't you just leave? And he goes, what law did I break to the journalist? And the journalist is like, well, uh, the police said you should move on or leave. And he goes, what law did I break? The journalist couldn't even name it. Okay, so they're all mad about things, and they don't even know anything about anything. If you think somebody should leave, what law are they breaking in the Democratic People's Republic of Canada? What law was broken to journalists up there? So... Maybe there was some in Canada. I have no idea. It's, uh, you know, it, America's hat is uh, turning into America's North Korean hat, basically, up there. So that's the story with that. I want to move on to a few other things. I got a lot of stuff going on here today. There's a few things in the news that really bothered me that I thought you'd find interesting. First, I want to talk about road check, May 17th to 19th. So just mark that on your calendar. That's coming up. Wheel ends. Wheel ends are out there. So this team driving, all right, so this is pretty interesting. This person was driving a truck. Did you see this article? Maybe. Now, they didn't say this was a team partner. They said it was a passenger. But this applies for teams or if you have a passenger. Let's see what you think. Are these good team tips? I may do a video about this too. So they're in the, the passenger is in the sleeper. And the person runs something over in the road, some kind of road debris, not like the TV show Debris, which got canceled, one of my favorite shows. They run it over, and then they stop. They go, oh, I'm going to check for damage of the truck. The driver gets out to check for damage. And for some reason, the passenger gets also out to check for damage, but they're on opposite sides of the truck, apparently. Now, okay, so finally, the driver gets back in the truck and drives away. doesn't see any damage. But the passenger's still outside the truck, and they run them over. And they go to the hospital, but they're dead. They kill them. Here's the thing. If you wake up, you're in the sleeper, and you wake up, you open the curtains, and you look around, and you're on the side of the road, do you get out of the truck and go walking around? Okay, I wouldn't do that. But here's a team tip from my short team training, uh, team teaming time. The person that's in the sleeper for us, and I did that with everybody that I ever had, any student, whatever, your shoes go in front of the passenger seat, period. You do not take your shoes in the sleeper. Not because it's not clean, although that is a good reason, but that's because if I stop and get out of the truck, when I come back in, if your shoes are gone, you are not in the truck. 
If those shoes are sitting there, I'm leaving because you didn't go anywhere. Because some people, especially students, they don't know. They close the curtains back up or open them or whatever. They don't do the right thing with the curtains. But they have to put their shoes on to get out of the truck. And that's why I say the shoes stay in front of the passenger seat when you have a passenger in the truck. Also, if you pull over on the side of the road, you should talk. I would wait and talk to a person. Say, what are we doing here? What's going on? You know, that kind of thing. Rather than get just, I'll just randomly get out of the truck. And that's up to the driver. If this is a passenger, that's not a truck driver with them. They should say, here's how this works. These are the rules. This is what we do. Like when I had a motorcycle and I'd get uh, some woman to ride on it, which was rarely. Like, this is how you ride on it. You know, you do this, hold this, whatever, you know. So you have to give people kind of advice on how to do that. And it'd be the same there. You know, hold on to me. They're like, ew. And then they would get off uh, the motorcycle and they'll go, I'd rather walk They like 600 miles. Either way, either way, you got to tell people how to do that. And I think this is a terrible tragedy. It's certainly an accident or it seems to be. Those shoes could have saved somebody's life. Your shoes could save your life. You leave your flip-flops. Whatever. And of course, no student had flip-flops. I mean, I don't allow it. But uh, you leave your shoes sitting there and that's it. That's how you do it. I thought that was really sad. There's a big debate in Washington State, and I don't get this either. So OIDA has been pushing Washington State to allow the ports where they have to provide bathrooms for drivers. They And the state legislature is taking it up, but they've tabled it for further debate. Why is this a debate? All right, that's number one. Number two, why do we keep going to the government to try to solve our problems, especially for OIDA, who says less government regulation is always the answer, except when we don't like what they're talking about. It's the same thing with all this other road funding and all that. Parking, that's a big thing. The ATA and OIDA are big right now on parking. We want more funding for parking. Both of them are going to the government for parking. You know, OIDA, they cannot complain about the government and then constantly ask the government to intervene in truck driver's life. And the ATA wants the government to fund it so they don't have to pay for it. The person that provides the vehicle, that makes a profit from the vehicle, that owns the vehicle, should be the one to pay for the expenses of the vehicle. If that means parking every night, if that means renting a spot in a private lot, whatever it is, those are the expenses of that vehicle, and they need to be paid by the owner of the vehicle, period. Employees do not pay expenses of vehicles. <clears throat> okay, that's my take on it. I would not work at a place that did not provide me parking. If they said, we're not, we're never paying parking, whatever, because I might have to pay for parking. I'm like, oh, I'm not paying to park it. It would just be a standoff at a truck stop. I'm like, there's no spots. I'm out of hours. You won't pay to park. So now what do we do? You know, now you figure out what to do with your truck. That's what you should tell them. You, if you have ever, ever problem, you have to make your problem, their problem. The same way I made their problem, my problem, their problem with the hours of service, uh, you know, and being tired, I made me being tired their problem at work. And to solve it, they were able to solve that problem with the solution that I gave them. You have to do the same thing. If you are going to the ports in Washington State and there are no bathrooms, you have to make that problem your company's problem. Okay, you say, oh, I can't come here anymore because I have to pee. So I'm not going to sit in this line. So I just don't get it. I don't get it, I guess. I, I just, I don't get it. It just infuriates me. You, why do you keep going? I get there. You've never been there. All right, I get it. Mark, I've never been here before. Okay, that's fair. Why do you go back the next day? You call a company and go, hey, they don't have any bathrooms. I'm sitting in line, uh, you know, and living like an animal. Even Bigfoot. They don't. You ever see Bigfoot peeing into a Powerade bottle? I don't think so. 
that kind of stuff shouldn't happen. We shouldn't have to go beg the government for that. If nobody went into that stupid port, they'd put a bathroom out there. Okay, it's just as simple as that. These places that don't have bathrooms frustrate me to no end. Every place should have a bathroom. By the way, an update on Black & Decker. I'm still emailing with them. I just got an email yesterday from them. They're still working on it. Okay, I'm going to get bathrooms put in at these places. But people need to stop going there. Okay, people need to stop going to places that don't have bathrooms. They don't have to provide you a bathroom because you keep coming back. You keep coming back. Well, the company sends me. Well, tell the company you ain't doing it no more. How about that? How about that for some harsh words, which I apologize for the children that might have been listening to that type of language. Don't go where there's no where you can't go. Oh, that's very good. Oh, I wish I wish I'd have thought about that at bumper sticker time. Don't go if you can't go. Right, or where you can't go. That's very good. I like it. I like that kind of thing. Because seriously, that kind of thing is ridiculous. It shouldn't be tolerated. It should have never been tolerated. And I doubt it would have been tolerated, uh, you know, before deregulation by companies. But, well, you know, we'll see what happens here. The, the Companies can only do to you what you allow. You know, you're treated the way you allow people to treat you. So when you allow people to treat you basically like dirt without even a, gar- without even a bathroom, that's what you get. You have to have at least you have to have some kind of self-respect for yourself. You have to have more respect for yourself than other people do. Have enough self-respect to say, if there's no bathroom, I'm not coming here. I'm not staying here. I'm not going to go here. I'm nothing. Right? It is not happening. So that's what drivers really need to do. Stop going begging the government to solve problems, especially OIDA. Oh, we don't like the government. Well, wait a minute. But for this thing, we like the government, but not for that thing. This is an easily solved problem by not going there anymore. Easily, easily solved problem, it would seem like to me. Now, a couple other things. I don't know if you saw this. White Castle. Everybody know what a White Castle restaurant is? Okay, delicious sliders. They have a new robot that's going to start working at 100 stores. They tested out. It works. It's called Flippy. I swear to you. Flippy the robot it will make fries and flip burgers. And uh, meaning not flip burgers because the burgers at White Castle are not flipped. That's why they have holes in them. They're put down on the grill and uh, then the buns put on them. And that's how it'll lay them out there. And when they're done, somebody will assemble the hamburgers from that. And it does the fries. It dispenses fries into the basket, cooks them and dumps them into the thing with basically a robot arm that's attached to the wall there. So every fry will get cooked exact amount. See, that the robot won't be busy taking an order while the fries are overcooking, getting too crispy or not crispy enough. We'll take them out at the right time. It will always have the correct amount of fries in there. It will put the same amount of salt on all the fries. It will do that 24 hours a day, and it costs $3,000 a month to lease. And you say, well, that's people don't make that much money at White Castle. Here's the thing. It can work 168 hours a week without overtime and no benefits. That would take at least four full-time employees working that. It can replace four people. It doesn't call off. It doesn't require workman's comp, health insurance. It doesn't watch TikTok videos when it should be working. It doesn't need a 10-minute break every 15 minutes. It doesn't get a half-price lunch break. It doesn't, uh, you know, call off because it's sick or its kid didn't get the daycare. Or I got nine kids, so I can't come to work. It doesn't do any of that. And here's the thing. People, a number of people I told this to, and they're like, oh, well, that's terrible. Market's taking jobs. Well, wait a minute. All I hear people say is, oh, well, that's just a hamburger flipper. Uh, you know, it's a no good, you know, dead end. That's what they say. It's a dead end job. You know, those jobs are dead end. Okay, no problem. We got something to take that job. Now you don't have to take a dead end job. Well, wait a minute, Mark. This thing stinks in people's jobs. It's Is it a good job or is it a dead end job? 
Okay, and I think any job is a good job that you can do and pays you money. So if you need money, the place to go when you're broke, right, is to work. So, but it's either they're taking a dead end job and relieving people of it, or it's taking people's good jobs. But Flippy is coming to White Castle near you. If they bring it in here, I'm waiting to see if they're going to bring it into this one. I'll go take a picture of it. Um, <clears throat> and I think it'll be pretty interesting. And I'll get my fries made by Flippy. No problem. Now, this woman on American Airlines, she almost got into the why we're not on Mars segment, but didn't. This kind of thing also aggravates me. It was in the news. And so I wanted to bring it to you because we do more than trucking here. We do trucking. We do some business stuff and beyond. Right. Oh, right. Oh, I'm sorry, Gracie. That's right. We can't we can't say that. Oh, somebody's got that one. So here this is the state of entitlement that we've come to. And this is part of the Democratic People's Republic of Canada's problem and our problem here as well. So this woman uh, with her boyfriend, because nobody gets married anymore, gets on a plane uh, and says sits down in steerage class, right, fourth class, uh, poverty section, says to the stewardess, hey, and yeah, I called her a stewardess, all right, so bite me. So she says, look, I got a peanut allergy, and so I don't want any peanuts served. And they go, look, you paupers back here in fourth class don't get peanuts. Only business class and first class people on this flight get peanuts. So she goes, you don't have to worry about it. You're not getting any peanuts, all right? You're lucky if you get a half a can of Coke. And the woman says, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm an entitled brat. I added that part. And I can't have peanuts served anywhere on the plane. So people up there, uh, you know, need to have an alternative snack provided to them. And after some going back and forth, uh, she left the flight. <laughs> because she says, look, I'll die. If there's a peanut anywhere with a million miles of me, I'm going to die. Apparently, I got this legume thing, and uh, I'm just not going to make it. Now, why is this entitlement? Because, look, she has a medical problem, so she says. I don't even buy half these peanut allergy things. Uh, growing up as a kid, right, everybody brought a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to school, and nobody dropped dead in the lunchroom that I ever saw. So I think a lot of it is in your head. But, okay, let's let's say this, since I'm not a doctor. Let's say she actually does have a peanut allergy and that if there's a peanut even waved in front of her, even if she sees Mr. Peanut in a commercial, she'll die or go into problems. Why should I up front not be able to get a peanut because you have a problem? Why is that my problem? Okay, that sounds like a you thing. Why didn't she rent a car? So she is not saying I don't want peanuts. She's saying the other people on the flight can't get peanuts because I have a problem. I wouldn't fly in that plane if I thought that flight might kill me or give me some kind of medical problem. If it's my medical thing, I would stay home if I was afraid to go out. Does that sound familiar in today's society? If you are concerned about what's outside Stay inside. Do not ask everyone else to bend their life around you. You make your life with whatever things that are wrong or right with you, and you make a life out of that. But do not ask everyone else to say, hey, I can't eat peanuts. I can't have those near me, so you need to not eat peanuts. No, no. You with the peanut problem need to go somewhere else see i wouldn't i would never do that if i had some kind of if it was in a restaurant whatever it is 
if they had something that is going to make me deathly ill, I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't call them in advance. I'm, I'll be coming to you dining or a restaurant tonight. Um, Panda Express sounds a good one. I'm thinking some Chinese restaurant, Asian restaurant where they use a lot of peanuts. Uh, you're going to have to not serve peanuts while I'm there. What the heck is that? Why are we so entitled? Like everybody else needs to stop because we all revolve around you. Get off the flight. I agree with them, right? Boot her off of there and put her on a no-fly list. I mean, this kind of thing is ridiculous. She's holding everybody up. I got stuff to do. I don't care about your peanut thing personally. Now, if I was a friend of somebody that had a peanut thing, I would not eat peanuts around them. I get that. But to ask a bunch of strangers to the, and the, an airline to have alternative snacks in case there's people on there with a peanut allergy is the height of entitlement and that's where this society has come to i'm sure she's gone to some safe space somewhere where there are no peanuts there's no peanuts with uh, top hats on or monocles nothing so that she can just be safe and not have any of that she can lock herself in her house if you're scared about what's going on outside stay inside and that goes with anything with anything that might affect you it isn't right to ask everybody else to change what they're doing for you. Your friends will do that for you. Friends and family will do it no problem. Okay, but to just have the all of society in general because you've got a problem, it's just not right. Mark, it might mark it be the moral thing to do. All right, but we don't have to choose the moral thing. That's freedom. Freedom is choice. So because people are not always going to choose that thing, you have to make a decision. Go to Enterprise. They'll pick you up. Tell them you want a peanut-free car and you can drive yourself all over the place. But as for a flight where you got to change every what everybody else is doing, I'm out of it. I'm out and I'm sick of it. She's probably selling her parents' insurance, although I don't know how old she is. Even so, I just don't like the whole idea of it, really, to be honest with you. So that's the story with that. So we were talking about this on the live show also, about somebody bought a car on Carvana, right, where they show up at your house with a car and you get three minutes to go drive it around and then... Supposedly, you get a week to turn it back in. Now, Carvana's had a lot of problems with titles and stuff like that recently. It's been in the news everywhere. But regardless of that, I said, look, I don't buy a car that I can't test drive. And they said, well, you can test drive it. Yeah, it's a few-minute test drive. All right. This is how I think you buy a used car. A car is generally people's second largest purchase in their life other than their home. And they just don't take any time to check them out. When I sold cars... A third, about a third of the people never even drove the car. They would come and look at it, sit in it, and buy it. And I found that to be ridiculous. Because you don't know if it's comfortable. You don't know how it fits your life. You don't know if it runs good. You don't know anything about it. So taking a car, seeing Carvana, for them to bring you a car, you have to buy the car. You fill all the paperwork out. You get approved for the loan and everything. You got to buy the car. They have the advantage Everything I did selling a car, every training we did, everything in sales is to get you to buy the car. And so everything we did obligated you a little bit to the dealership. You don't think anything about it. When they say, hey, do you want you guys thirsty? You know, whatever you want a Coke or whatever. And we go get you a Coke. That's an obligation. And you say, well, no, it isn't. Yeah, actually it is. In your mind, all the psychology of it and everything, the dealership has given you something for free. It obligates you a little bit to the dealership. It does. It moves you a little step closer towards signing that document. <laughs> Look, I have a pen. I have a nice pen here always that I write with and I always had a nice pen as well selling cars. So 
what and I have it right here, right? You can uh, there's my knife, my pen. Uh, whenever we would do anything, and I had you write anything down, there were pens. I would never let you use like a big pen that was just sitting there. I would take this pen out of my pocket, right, unscrew the cap, and hand it to you, right? I'd give it to you like that, which you can't see me doing it. And believe me, if you hand something to people, generally they will take it from you. Oh, I go, I just need you to write that down right there. And I have this pen that I give you. And it's a very heavy, weighted, nice pen, right, with an interchangeable ink cartridge. You know, and then you're like, wow. You know, and you think, oh, that doesn't matter. It matters. Because I've given you a pen to write with. And you will write down what I just told you to write. You don't think all that matters. It matters. You got a little place here for your kid. Hey, here's a coloring book for your kid. You don't think that matters? It matters. I open the door for you. And wave my hand and you walk inside. All that stuff matters. Those little things matter. Huge. Huge. What they're trying to do is obligate you. And Carvana is going around all that by saying, we're going to obligate you by making you pay for the car up front. Basically, you've already signed up for everything. It's much harder for you to return the car that way. Because everything's all set up. And you get a few minutes to drive it around and a week or whatever to take it back. But so then they take it back. Then they have to cancel that loan and you get another loan. It's a hassle. It's a hassle. It's way easier to not buy the car in the first place. Plus, you have no negotiating power at Carvana at all. When I go in to test drive a car, I've already looked over the car and everything online, examined it. You know, looked at the listing. I've driven by the car. I'll go by there after work or whatever if I need to do that because they're closed in the middle of the night. Take pictures of it. And then I go in for a test drive. And I always call them, you know, and say, look, this car better have gas in it or whatever because I'm leaving for, I'm going to go 100 miles in this car. And I do. I take the car, you know, way down. I'll go out to the interstate and just take cruise off down the interstate. Come back up 52. I drive it around town. Open up the back, make sure everything works on it. Then I take it to a mechanic of my choice, pay them to put it on a lift, scan the codes of the car, all that stuff. Then we go back to the dealership with that written report from a mechanic of my choice and say, all right, now let's talk about this car. And here's something that you should do with every used car you buy. The car has to have two keys and an owner's manual and an owner's manual with the car, and a full tank of gas, period, okay? And for me, I don't allow the dealer to have dealer stickers on the car, like, you know, Joe's uh, Chevy or whatever. I don't allow any of that. Those have to be taken off by the dealer. The thing that goes around the license plate, that's a, that is not allowed. None of that is allowed on my cars. <clears throat> you want to do that? That's an advertising fee, seriously. And the last guy, then they took the stickers off the Escape because it already had them on there. I said, he goes, you're the only second person that I've ever seen do this. I go, well, uh, there you go. Live and learn. Now, that was new. But I tell you, you know, the Sonic was used. And so it had a key. They had to go have a key made. Well, Mark, they only have one key. Well, tell them to go make you a key. It's just as simple as that. You know, I don't leave the dealership without two keys. They will have to go make a key. And I will tell you this. A lot of times when there's one key, they had the two keys and the a place you're financing it from wanted a key. Even when I was selling cars years ago, they did that all the time. Not only did you have to send their signature, whatever, you know, get them to sign all the forms, they had to send a key. That was in case you didn't make your payments, they could repossess the car, they had a key. That's a lot of times, a lot of times, probably 75% of the time why we didn't have a second key, it was because the finance company wanted your other key. They have your key. So you make the dealer go make you a key. Same thing for an owner's manual. 
Same thing. You want the owner's manual for the car. Well, Mark, they don't have the owner's manual. Well, did you know now you can pretty much get them free on the Internet? But what I do now is make them print me an owner's manual. <clears throat> they can do that on their printer, 224 pages or whatever. Yeah, so print it out. Print it out. And also a full tank of gas. It's got a quarter tank. Yeah, I need that car filled up. Uh, one place said, we don't fill them up. I go, well, I don't buy cars that aren't full, so we got a problem. And I don't understand salesmen doing this. Because uh, let's say he's going to make $300, okay, for example, on the car. And so the person says, uh, I'm not going to buy it if you don't fill it up. And so then the salesman goes to the dealer and the dealer says, no, we, we have a policy of not doing that. Why would you lose that sale over that? I'd go fill it up with my own money. I'd go put 50 bucks of it and get 250 bird in the hand kind of thing. So do you want zero dollars of 300 or 250 of 300? That's the thing. Salesmen are so stupid. Sometimes they'll lose a sale. Oh, oh it needed to fill it up. Okay. They'll be full. All right. No problem. That's what I would do with it. But all these things, see, each thing you do is meant to throw the dealership off everything you do. So when they're looking at my car for a trade, because when I trade, when I go take this hundred mile drive i don't generally take the car i'm trading i take a different car so they got nothing to look at because i want to look at their car so then i go i'll come back with my car and when they're driving my car around they're like oh well let's go talk i'm not no we don't talk see i don't talk to the dealer until i have the keys to my car in my pocket and i tell them that i go no we're going to stay in the showroom here uh standing here talk to the secretary up front in the reception desk until i get the keys to my car back Oh, they go, well, he might be gone. Oh, well, I go, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you. So I don't talk until I get my keys so that I can leave if I don't like what you had to say. And they're like, oh, really? Yeah, really. You have to be in control. There's a whole playbook at the dealership of how to buy, uh, how to sell a car to uh, an up, right? A prospect, somebody that walks in. <clears throat> so you have to take them off of their uh, feet when they're doing that. Never go along with anything they say. Do you want a Coke? No, I don't. Right. And so they have a pen. I always bring a pen though with me. They'll give me the pen. I always have a nice pen. I take, I go, I have a pen. Right. Everything you do takes them away from what they want. They're supposed to lead you around. You never allow them to do that. You lead everything. You take care of everything. You do this or I don't buy it. You do this or I won't buy it. Everything you do is to lead them along. But one of the things on a used car is this long test drive because you can find out if it's been, you know, just shaken up just so it'll pass for five minutes. They just turn the engine light off. It's going to come back on in that long test drive. You can scan all the codes and see if it's just been cleared. The person scanning the codes will tell you if it's just been cleared of codes. You'll heat it up and see if everything works right in it. Uh, you know, on this test drive, does it shake, whatever, get the thing up to speed, you know, let's get this thing going, romp on it a few times, all this kind of stuff. And it's very important to do that on a used car. And you can't do that at Carvana. And honestly, once you have the car, you're probably not going to take it because you're not as interested in checking it on a lift. Almost nobody does that really, probably 10% of people. But you're not going to do that because you already bought it. Well, it's already my car. So, you know, and so Carvana knows that. It's not a good way to buy an expensive item like that. You need to go in there and you need to have the pressure because whoever has the money has the power. And until you give them any money, you have the power. And so then at the end of the day, you're like, yeah, I like the car, whatever. And they're like, well, look, you know, uh, why don't you just give us some money and we'll hold the car for you, <laughs> right? It's the, they want $5, a dollar, just a dollar to show you that you're serious. I've, they've said that to me. I go, do you think I'm not serious? 
I, I mean, if you don't think I'm serious, I'll just go somewhere. Oh, well, uh, no, no, that's not what we're saying. I go, well, what are you saying? Uh, what do you think I'm here? Do you think I just come in here to, uh, you know, to just to shoot the bull with you here? I'm here to buy a car. Why do you think I walk in the dealership? Oh, uh, you know, all that. So why do you think I brought my car for you to look at all that? Oh, no, no, no. What we're saying is we'll hold the car. With... No, I go, no, we're not getting any money. That's not how it works. I'll take my chances that the car will be here tomorrow. If it's not here, I guess it's not here. I'll just go buy a car somewhere else. Simple as that. So you decide if the car is still going to be here when I show back up at the dealership to, uh, you know, finalize this or decide what I'm doing. But never, never give them that dollar, five dollars. They did a big study on that. And people that give even just a dollar, they don't go look at another car anywhere else because they feel like they've bought that car. It obligates you to the dealer. That's why Aldi, I would say, works for that quarter, gets them to bring carts back for 25 cents. I'm like, forget it. I basically am paying 25 cents to have somebody else take the cart back. That's how I see it there. But that's not how people see it. And the other thing, I guess, is the salesman should not go with you on a test drive. They don't go with me because I'm gone. And I will tell you, the Ford dealer here, where I mostly buy cars, is pretty good about it. They've never actually offered to go with or anything. But I know some dealers, they want to go with you. And I would not allow that. I'm like, no, I'm going by myself. Because they have a route. When I sold cars here in town at different dealerships, we had a route. Go here, turn right here, turn It was the smoothest route in town. That's how you were supposed to tell people to go. And I don't like that. You know, you're trying to lead people into something that they may or may not want. And that's why I don't sell cars anymore. I don't, uh, the whole system is basically corrupt. The only way to make money in selling cars was to hose people either into a car they didn't need, didn't want, didn't realize what it was and get them a higher payment than, than they really needed. I mean, we would add money to a car in the finance office. Especially, that's why you don't tell a dealer any money. <clears throat> the last, my last car, my Neon, I think I've talked about this that I sold. The people came in and they were like three twenty-five a month, they said. <clears throat> so I told the finance guy that, you know, and we had this Neon. It was going to be like two sixty a month. They added money to the car. They just packed, it's called packing it. They just added profit to it and got the payment to like three seventeen. And he told them, hey, we got you underneath what you wanted. And they were happy. But in fact, they were getting hosed. Now, I made good money in that car because all that extra money that they added, which was a considerable amount, you know, it was a couple of thousand bucks of just pure profit that they added. That's all money in my pocket. I think it was 30% then on used cars. So I made like 600 just on the extra, a couple of thousand dollars plus the car. I probably made 900 or a thousand dollars on that car on that single sale. But most of it was basically blood money because they shouldn't have paid that much. The only reason they paid it is because they said how much they wanted to pay. And the dealership obliged them by increasing the price. Now, I get that they should be better shoppers. And the dealership has every right to sell it for whatever price they want. And the two of them agree to. I I understand that. That's freedom. And I get it. But it isn't right. When you have a car at a certain price, you know, that should be the price. You don't increase the price because somebody's willing to pay more when they don't know anything. I don't find that to be a good business transaction. Where somebody is really uh, just not well versed in what is going on and you're basically taking advantage of them. I find I find that to be taking advantage of people and I just couldn't do it. I can do it. I'm just I'm like I'm done. I can't sell cars. I love being around cars. I love driving all the cars. I got to drive a lot of cool cars including a Viper uh, you know and other used cars that would be an NSX right a 3000 GT VR4 a lot of cool cars I got to drive around during the time selling cars but I just the selling part is the bad part. You just have to be so 
bad to people if you expect to make any money. If you, you know, to people, you have to take advantage of people that don't know anything because the people that do know stuff, you don't make a lot of money on. I made $50 on a Lincoln Town Car once. $50 because that was the minimum deal you could make on the car because I don't have any control over ultimately what the dealership takes for a car. So that is a real problem. So you almost have to do that. And the dealership kind of forces you to do that. In fact, when you came to work there, they said, hey, go buy a bunch of stuff. Go, you want to buy a new car? They would help you get a car, go buy a TV, go get a watch, whatever. They had a deal at um, Zales in the mall for discounts because they want you obligated to a bunch of bills so that you'll be hungry to sell cars. And I don't think that's a good way to do it. That's not a reason you should sell somebody a car because you need money. You should sell them the car that they need or whatever an item is that you're selling. You know, sell it at the thing that they need that's going to help them in their life. This is what we want, and so here's the price. So that's why I don't sell cars anymore. I do love cars, and I'm always forever talking about them at the dealer and everywhere else. But selling them, it's just not going to happen. And I don't think it's changed any. Just with my experience with salesmen, there's always a new salesman when I get a car because they quit so uh, quickly. And they use the same kind of tactics that they taught us. I had to learn on VHS tapes. You'd sit back there for an hour a day and do training. But I'm sure it's done in DVD now or maybe even at your house. You can maybe watch it in your phone. And nothing's really changed. So I'm not happy with the sales process, but enjoy cars. Now, hey, here's some good news finally. If we can get to that, the feds may give us a gas tax holiday. They want to do that because people apparently are griping about the price. We're at about the 330 range here in Lafayette, Indiana for unleaded. Uh, Some places in the country, it's more than that or less. Now, I want to tell you this, though. What will happen if they do that is the stations would no longer be required to collect the federal gas tax. That does not mean they have to lower the price by that amount. Keep that in mind. They could lower it by all of it, some of it, or none of it. Mark, how much is the federal gas tax? 18.3 cents per gallon. Okay, that is the federal gas tax. It has not changed in many years, by the way, and not changed in many, many years. So the best that would do if they gave a holiday for that would be to reduce the price of gas 18.3 cents a gallon. We'd be down into the, uh, you know, 212 uh, three, 212, that'd be great. 312 range if they did this. If the stations, if Meyer, which is where I get gas generally, um, reduced it by the full amount. Now, they may reduce it by 14 cents. 15, they'd have to compete with other stations. Likely, they'd keep a few cents, which is totally legal. They can set the price at whatever they want. That's the thing about people. Um, I guess I got a lot of things this week. That's the thing is that the gas, you're not entitled to gasoline, meaning you don't have a right to gas. So a station can charge whatever they want. I don't find there's ever to be any kind of, uh, you know, oh, price gouging. No, if there's a limited supply of it and a lot of people that want it, you can charge whatever you want for it. If gas is a lot in your area due to taxes or weird regulations, California, maybe you should elect people that are not so stupid and weird or be more reasonable in the regulations you want. But when you put people in office and keep them there that have weird regulations and a bunch of environmental garbage and stuff and your gas is more money, that's what you get. So too bad. You enjoy the sunshine and pay five something a gallon. There's actually a picture of 602 at one station I just saw the other day. Now, I don't think they're all that. That is something. They're talking about 150 to $200 a barrel prices. That'll put gas at 750 plus per gallon nationwide as an average. <clears throat> that would be really something, especially for everybody that's commuting in something gigantic or has a long commute. 
that will really put the squeeze on people. And so they want to reduce that because we got midterm elections coming up. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they don't really care about reducing the price or anything or the tax, which is theft. They just want to reduce it so that they can get their oh, themselves reelected. So what I always say, never reelect people to office, no matter if it's dog catcher in your town or president. Nobody gets reelected this next election. How about that? Easy. All new people. Clean sweep all the way from the bottom to the top. Will that happen? Um, it's quite unlikely, I will tell you that. So I think after all that, we finally come to a reason why we are not on Mars. Now, it happens that this planet has apparently uh, an exorbitant amount of dumb people that are completely stupid and do dumb things. And we have what I consider an unusual story, as opposed to many of the uh, usual stories, I guess, this week. And it comes from the Democratic People's Republic of Canada. That's why I uh, have it, because I thought, oh, this is a Canadian story. Maybe we should get that out to the people. So in British Columbia... As I drink my Earl Grey tea, hot, um, some dude is sitting in his basement in a um, cinder block basement made of poutine. And uh, it's very humid in there because the poutine is still warm as he's making his basement. And he has a single LED light hanging from a lamp from a uh, string from the ceiling. And he's sitting in a metal folding chair and says, you know what? I need to get some money. Um... I wonder how I could do that. Well, he figured out to do what Jesse James said is, why do you rob banks? That's where the money is. <laughs> okay. So he goes over to the bank and robs the bank. And they put five grand in uh, in a bag. Now, that's Canadian 5000 So it's like $3.82 in, uh, in freedom money. But still, it's still probably a lot to him. And he takes his bag and leaves now they do not put one of the die packs in there i don't know why they didn't and uh so he takes off in his car probably a pontiac firefly i assume and he immediately crashes into an 85 year old who's driving great it's probably the only time when someone's 85 and it's not their fault anyhow so he of course grabs uh does not grab the bag he does not grab the bag i should tell the story better really he does not grab the bag, but he leaves the scene and uh, leaves the other people at the scene. Well, it turns out there's some good Samaritans, and they go running after this dude, and they chase him and bring him back to the scene and go, hey, you got to wait here, what we call a cops. Well, and here's where it gets even more weird. Okay, this is what I don't understand. So according to witnesses and the police, when he comes back to the scene, he goes, all right, all right, or whatever. And he grabs the money. Now, he's bleeding, too. He was injured. So he bleeds all over this bag of money. And he asks a woman who is a bystander who the police say he does not know. Okay? Just somebody who's just, like, happened on the scene. And says, hey, babes, I assume, give me your phone number and hold this bag of money for me, and I will come and get it later from you. And she does. Now, look, I've chastised women many times on this podcast and on my live show for even giving some guys the time of day that don't deserve that. Women will date the worst men and keep them for the longest time. And it is just beyond me. I try to 
teach women to be strong, okay, and not do that. I had three girls growing up here, okay, and I have tried to teach them to be very strong and to not take any grief from men and to not even talk to a man unless they have a job, their own place, a car, a phone in their name, everything. No no dude needs to even get a hello from you until they stand up and be a man. But this woman... Which I just don't. Would you do this, men or women? You're at a crash scene. Some guy hands you a bloody bag, as the police said, a bloody bag of money and a bank bag and says, give me your number. Hold this for me and I will get it from you later. Do you do that? Who does that? This woman did this. And so then the bystanders start taking pictures of her and have to tell the cops that. And the cops arrest both of them. The bag not only had money, but also had some drugs in it. He may have slipped in there a little bit of you to drug in the bag as well. Uh, no, I don't. It doesn't say what she was charged with. I don't know if anything. Uh, I don't know in Canada if that's illegal to do. It should be. Maybe it should be illegal to walk around as an idiot. I assume she lives in a, some kind of cinder block apartment basement as well. Come on. Come on. And then I wonder, you know, I was wondering, how do people get scammed with these dumb scams that I hear about? Oh, this is how. Oh, I'm standing here. Oh, this guy runs over. Hey, here's a bloody bag of money. Give me your phone number. She gave it to him, and it was her number. Okay, that's on the report here. She gave the guy her actual phone number and said, all right, call me later. Call me. Hey, come on. Come on. I mean, I don't even know what to say. So basically, I got two people here. One, fine. I guess it's like Newton. There's like a fourth law of motion where idiots are attracted to each other. You know, I just don't understand it. I just don't understand it. So also, okay, the bag also had five different cell phones in it, which is nice. Maybe just gets a lot of calls that she was holding. So I just don't understand it. But it does say that the police investigated and they don't know each other at all. The first time they saw each other was right there. So I want to ask you, you're at a scene, somebody hands you a bloody bag and says, call me later and we'll, I'll come to your house and get this. There could be a head in that bag, for God's sakes. I mean, come on. The police say by, by uh, accepting a bloody bag containing money and drugs, you are not doing any good and you're also looking at putting yourself in a lot of legal trouble, said the RCMP Corporal Bert Packwet told News 1130. So uh, on your side, just just incredible to me. It's just incredible. It's bad enough when women will even date some dude that's some weirdo without a job and they, oh, can you loan me twenty bucks? Right, that dude's not even worthy of asking uh, the, the give him the time of day unless he's going to the employment office. So here we got this. You know that probably the woman part aggravates me more than this criminal guy who's already a criminal, and then to assist. Just out of sheer stupidity is just ridiculous. And they didn't, it didn't elaborate on why she thought that was a good idea or whatever, but I don't think it's a great idea. Be stronger, okay? And I'd say that to women, especially, uh, because you can get taken advantage of or whatever. But this kind of thing, come on, come on, grow a backbone for God's sakes. But uh, here's two more reasons why I can't live on Mars. Now, now that's six dry cheese sandwiches a day I got to do between the two of them. 
between the two prison uniforms and all that kind of stuff. And they're probably insulated there because it's so cold. That costs more money. Just ridiculous. So I'm very disappointed in that. So that's why we do not live on Mars. I would like to encourage you to watch the live show every Monday at 1230 p.m. Eastern Time as uh, we sign up. Be safe. There'll be some weather coming up. So again, this podcast is every Tuesday and Friday, weather and circumstances permitting. So we may miss some of them. It should get better in the summer, but some of them might get missed here in the wintertime, which I apologize, but I only have so much time in the day and I just... I just couldn't do it. I just could not do another one. So I will try to get them out. I'm doing my best. And uh, we'll see you on the next podcast. Thanks for listening.